0: Glad to see you. I'm glad you all are here today and uh, welcome those of you that are joining us online. Um, I'm going to start a new series, however, I have preached this before. But I really felt impressed it needs to be heard again. How many of you know we forget? But it's so, it's so... uh, needed today that I feel worth it, it worthy to be retaught. Um, the title of this is Reaching America. And I want to re preach this because today we are living in a culture that has changed. The people that we have living in America today no longer have the foundational information about God, His Word, and their need for salvation. Possibly never before in the history of our nation has it been more important that the lost become found. If you tell people today who Jesus is and you talk To them about Jesus, you'll get responses like, Jesus who? Tell people that Jesus is the Son of God, and you'll get responses like, well, which God are you talking about? Buddha? Zeus? Allah? Or someone else? Point out that people are sinners and need to be saved from their sin, and you'll have people ask, what is sin? Our culture, and even many within the church, have such a minute understanding of Scripture, particularly the early pages of Scripture in the book of Genesis, that they have little to no foundation to understanding the message of Jesus. Yet Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to all creation. What is the good news? That you don't have to live in sin anymore, that you can be freed from sin anymore, but if you don't know what sin is, how do you know how to be freed from it? You see, our culture needs to understand today, the church today as well, we need to understand that we are not reaching the Western world like we used to. We're not impacting our culture like we used to, and I'm going to take you through several slides today, and, and I just want to say right now, we ha- don't have the technology in place uh, for those of you watching online to see the slides, but you can still grasp everything that I'm saying without, without seeing the slide, but I'm going to take you through several of these slides today here in the sanctuary, and I hope that they will make an impact on us and on you and the church in the year of 2023. I am really not looking at this year to be same-o-same-o. Same-o. I do not want 2023 to be business as usual. I, I want when I look out at this place next year that it's at least doubled. Uh, I pray it could be tripled. I pray it could be quadrupled. And I know it can by the power of the Holy Spirit if we will do what God's called us to do and get, get involved in the last day's call to reach America. And On this first slide, when you look at it, America has the largest number of Christian churches, of Christian colleges, of Christian resources, and of Christian media in the entire world. But from a worldview perspective, America is becoming less Christian every day, and think about that. In light of what I just said, there are more Christian resources in America today than ever before, and yet we are still becoming less Christian every day. The United Kingdom has really gone down from a Christian perspective. It is right now a very pagan nation, the UK. Many, many church buildings have been turned into antique stores, into mosques, into shopping centers, into coffee shops. Where they used to worship God, they're sipping tea and coffee. In Australia, it's become less Christian every day. Canada is becoming less Christian every day. And what we do is we see moral relativism permeating our American culture. And I want you just to consider these 16 issues of our day. Abortion, euthanasia, homosexual rights, gay marriage, school violence, Pornography, no Christ in Christmas, no public nativity scenes, family breakup, no loving God in tragedy, removing God from the Pledge of Allegiance, removing the cross from public places, taking prayer out of schools, creation is out of schools. There is that subject of racism that's all over America. There's the removal of the Ten Commandments from public places, and not only in the culture do we see these things changing. But I am sad to announce it's also changing in the church today as well. Two-thirds of young people are leaving the church in America by the time they reach college age, and very few are returning. Actually, the same kind of thing is occurring all over the Western world, and it's already happened in the UK, and it is certainly happening in a big way in America right now. And the largest chunk of the, the people living right now, the, the, the largest part of our population, are those who were born in the years 1980 through 1994. It's those that we refer to as the millennial generation. And church, listen to me, do not bash the millennial generation. Pray for the millennial generation because they're the ones that are in authority. Those are the ones that are, that are t- making rules and changing rules and doing the things. They need the hand of God in their life, and they need us praying for them, not coming against them. Amen? And so I, I want you to uh, look at this next slide. This, these are the statistics from the book titled Already Gone. And these are for those that were born, the millennial generation from 1980 to 1994. 20% of those who were churched as a teen are still spiritually active at the age of now it's going to be about 38, 39. Only 20% that went to church as a teen are still active in the church. 61% who were churched as a teen have disengaged from church during their 20s. Now they're in their 30s, and some of them are entering into their 40s. 19% who were never churched as a teen are still not connected to a church. And one of the things that I want you to note about the young people who are leaving the church is that they don't, those who are leaving the church that have been churched, they do not know how to defend the faith that they sat and listened to, and by peer pressure from secular friends who are convinced of their unbiblical worldview have had more influence on the Christian than the Christian did on them. So what can we do about it? The church needs to teach Christians how to defend their faith, and you need to not only believe, and I hope I get an amen out of this, but you need to know why you believe, and look at what 1 Peter 3.15 says. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. Everybody say answer. To anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness, and respect. So, in other words, this is telling us in First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen, the Apostle Peter is saying to you and to me, we need to know how to tell somebody else why we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. You see, the millennial generation were not taught apologetics and how to defend their faith. They were taught uh, an answer, they, or rather, they were not taught an answer to the secular questions that their friends are asking they don't know how to defend their faith. Most of them went to public schools where God has been kicked out of the equation of everyday life, where prayer is not allowed, the Pledge of Allegiance is not allowed, where they have been taught material that undermines the Bible, saying that the world is millions of years old, that the Bible is a book of myths. Even seminaries, even seminaries, listen to this, refer to the creation account as a myth. I went to Bright Divinity. Uh, school, uh, in in my post-grad work at Texas Christian University. Let me say that again. Texas Christian University. And the professor, I was there one semester, and the professors of that university taught that the creation story is a myth. And that you cannot refer to God as Him. That's sexist. Instead of giving our students answers in our churches and homes, a lot of churches and Sunday schools just tell them, well, just trust in Jesus, and it doesn't really matter about Genesis. You can believe that the world's millions of years old just as long as you trust in Jesus. But those generations start to realize that the message of Jesus comes from this book. And if the first part of the book, that history... That's the foundation to the rest of the book. If that's not to be believed, and that's not to be believed as literal creation days, and that God was the creator of the earth, but that we evolved, if, if we can't believe the front of the book, how are we going to expect them to believe the back of the book that talks about how to get saved? Research has also been done on the millennial generation that attend church regularly. The millennials that are still left in church, this question was asked of them. Look at this next slide. Do you consider yourself born again? Forty percent outright said no. Now, let me back it up. These are millennials that are in the church. Flat outright said no. Do you believe, next slide, uh, if you are a good person, that you'll go to heaven? 65% said yes. The next one, should gay couples be allowed to marry and have all legal rights? 40% outright said yes. 10% said I don't know. And only 50% of those millennials still in church believe that same-sex marriage is wrong. So think of it. 50% of the majority of our population... That are still in our churches will not stand against same-sex marriage. Now I know I'm throwing a lot of bad news out to you, but I've got some good news that we're going to be able to give them. Now, here are just a few statistics about the spiritual state of the nation. The question was asked: if you went to church regularly as kids, do you still attend most Sundays, or did do you still attend most Sundays, or did you stop attending? Now I want you to notice something. For those in their seventies, 22% of those who used to go to church stopped attending. Only 22%. But look what's happening. In the millennial generation, 53% have stopped attending. Over half. So that should tell you where we're heading in America. And this has already happened in most of the Western nations of, of Great Britain, Australia, Canada. Also, George Barna recently released some research on the Generation Z. Now, these are the, these are the, the ones born after the millennials, These are the kids that were born from 1996 to about 2010. Are you with me? They are twice as likely as adults to say that they're atheist. That is a change that is occurring. And so I want to show you something that should should wake us up today in in regard to what is happening in our nation. It should be alarming us. Because I want you to realize that the state of what is happening here is very serious. And this shows very clearly that the church is losing its impact on the culture in a big way. So researchers in America, what they have done is they have divided... Generations into specific groups, you've heard this before, but I'm going to go over it again. And it's been and and, and 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 the generations are divided according to when you were born, and they have given these generations names. So the oldest generation that is currently alive in our society, and some of you are here in this room today, some of you are watching online, you are called the greatest generation, simply because. You're the World War II generation. You endured a lot through that year, and these are the ones that are born before 1928. Anyone here a part of the greatest generation? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody that wants to raise your hand? You are born before 1928? All right. So then there is the silent generation. This is the generation born between 1928 to 1948. or uh, 1945, and the reason that this generation is called the silent generation is because it was commonly understood in those days that children should be seen and not heard. Be seen but not heard. Be silent. How many ever get told that? Then there are those. These are the ones that are born here in 1928 through 1945. Now, how many of you were born in the silent generation? Okay. Okay. How about the baby boomer generation, those born between 1946 and 1964, and you're, you're in the house today. Now, you are labeled as baby boomers because during this period of time from 1946 to 1964, there was a statistically significant increase in the number of births that occurred. So that includes me too. And the generation used, this generation, the baby boomers used to be the majority of those in America, but not anymore. The, uh, the boomer or the boomers are now outnumbered by the millennials, and the next generation is generation x and this is the generation that is born uh between nineteen sixty five and nineteen eighty if you 're in here that 's you raise your hand we're nineteen sixty five and nineteen eighty over here over here back here okay so that 's gen x and the next are millennials. This is Generation Y, but they've been termed as the millennials. And these, you were born in uh, between 1980 and 1994. Let me see your hands. You're in here today. Some of you are not going to raise your hands. Uh, Now, how about the post-millennials or Generation Z, Are those that were born 1996 to to 2010? Anybody in the house? The next one after that is called the Alpha Generation. Just go back to the beginning of the, the uh, alphabet. So, what I'm saying is I'm bringing all these things up to you is when you look at the millennials and the post-millennials, those who are very much our younger generation, and how much of you know, how many people know that it's important to sow into the younger generation? They're growing up in a culture that is, suffering the consequences of the failure of the church and the older generations to really raise up generations that will stand unashamedly, uncompromisingly on God's Word beginning in Genesis and how to defend their faith today in the face of volatile, volatile people. Civility has gone out the window. And so we, we are suffering the consequences of this right now. And if you look at the culture and you see where it's at and you begin to say, how many of you have said this, what is wrong with this culture? I want to shift your thoughts in a different direction. That is not really all there is to the question. Because we also need to ask what is wrong with the church? Are you with me? What has happened with the church? Now, I want to share, you, uh, share with you some of these graphs. This is from Pew Research, and I don't know how much of this you can see, but this was done in 2010, so it, it's, it's, it, it's several years old. But It excluded Generation Z, but their statistics are even worse today than any of these on this graph. So, attendance at religious services by generation is what's on this graph. And uh, these are the percentages of those who say they are attending church and when they're attending. Okay? So, some will – it says uh, several times a week, every or nearly every week – And take a look at this. The greatest generation, and we went through the years of that, 52%, or rather 56% went to church. Now watch this. The silent generation, it dips down a bit, 44% went. Boomer generation, 32%. Gen X, 27%. And millennials... 18%. 18%. From 56% to 18%. Now, keep in mind that as the younger generations become the dominant generations in the culture, where does that tell you the church is at in America? Are you seeing this? So, folks, if, if, if you want to look in England today, back before World War II, there were more than 50% of their population who went to church. It was more than, it was It was the majority who went to church. Today, in England, in the UK, it's down to 5 to 6%. In fact, the number of churches in England has declined so dramatically that church buildings, as I said to you, are no longer used for church. They've been turned into restaurants, into shopping centers, into mosques, into all other kinds of things, and that's where America is heading without a change in our churches. We are on the same track. Now, we may be 20 years behind, but Generation Z and and the Millennials, and they're following in that path. But I got good news. It can be turned around with a move of God that will begin in the house of God. You know, it is interesting to me today that in many churches, the way, the way they are responding to this cultural challenge is they are asking the question, how are we going to make an impact? What's happened in many churches over all of America in order to attract people, now watch this, there has been an emphasis on change the style of music so much that there's rarely a difference from the world to the church, so when they walk in, they'll feel comfortable. And I'm not opposed to putting the lights down and all that stuff, but they, you bring all the lights down, you put on the smoke sh- machines, and then you put on the lights, and you make it like a concert. Can I, church, tell you that worship is not intended to be a spectator sport? It's intended to be a participation. It, 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 that's why we were created was to worship God. Amen? Now, I'm am not against music. We need good music. We need to praise God with music, your idea of music, my idea of music. We probably are never going to get on the same page, but listen to this. God's Word says that, that you know, what, what, was, what has happened is, is that we've got to we've got to. Preach the word," is what Paul told Timothy. "Be ready in season and out of season. And a lot of times is the Word of God has been watered down in order to appease the sinner. And we've called it now seeker-friendly. Well, a, a seeker is usually someone who does not know God. So what does the Bible call a seeker? A sinner. Now who would want to call somebody a sinner? So the church is saying, I don't want to call him a sinner. We'll call him a seeker. But church, I want to tell you something. Here's the thing. The church, instead of being, please walk with me on this, seeker friendly, it should be sinner deadly. Where new lives are made. It should cause there to be death to the flesh and life to the Spirit. But if you, if, you, if you water down the Word so you won't offend, let me tell you something. The Word of God will offend you. If you're guilty of sin, it'll offend you. But here's the thing about it. If you get offended, you got something to do with that. How many of you ever been told the truth And it offended you. But it was true. How many of your parents ever told you, you are being selfish? Nobody? (laughs) Yeah. Or you are being fill in the blank. And, And it was true. Or maybe your spouse has told you something and you're going, no, that's not. No, no, no. And they argue. But yet, when God says, listen, you're guilty of this, here's the thing God is one day going to do. He's going to open up his book, and he's going to say, this is where you are. And you know what? We're not going to be able to have an argument because he's written it down. LifeWay did some research recently, and they asked on this next slide, they asked people the top reasons that they would consider changing churches, and there's a number of reasons given here. But notice here the top reason, 54% said if the church changed their doctrine, and only 5% said that the music style. So it's not really music. You see, 54% said if the church changed their doctrine, but the music style was stay the same. It's interesting how we think that music has to be the showcase of the church, and yet research shows that it's changing the teaching that is the most important to people, changing the doctrine. Let's have a look at another slide here from Pew Research Center, which basically is, so you know, it's a secular group. Views of homosexuality by generation. The percent saying same-sex marriage is always wrong, or same-sex relations. The greatest generation, 78% of you will say same-sex marriage is wrong. In the silent generation, 70% of you will say same-sex marriage is wrong. In the boomer generation, 56% of you will say, do you see how it dropped? Same-sex marriage is wrong. In Gen X, 47%, and in millennials, 43%. Do you see that? Once it goes to Gen X... The majority think it's okay, and then it is even more in millennials, and I will say this, even Gen Z is even more. And so, people, what does that tell you about the state of the church? You see, we have seen more and more churches like the Episcopal Church, like the United Methodist Church, who are saying it's okay to have gay pastors and gay marriage. It's also interesting that a new statistic that came out not far not too long from crossway recently looked at people at when they read their bible which section of the bible do you read most often and which section do you find hardest to understand and notice here if you can see this what part of the bible do people read most often it's it's in the blue at the very end the epistles from Romans to Revelation. In other words, Paul's epistles primarily. Then it's the Gospels and the book of Acts. And, and then what, what are people reading the least? The historical books, the Pentateuch, the writing. That's all Old Testament. So, walk with me on this. Is everybody still with me? It's interesting how people have this focus on the gospel and the end times, but not so much on the beginning. And that's what I want to tell you today, church, is that too many people have ignored the beginning. They've said, Genesis doesn't matter. I don't know what to do with that. It's just too hard. Many pastors have said, you can believe in evolution and millions of years just as long as you believe in Jesus. Most of our Christian academics say that. They just say, just just tell them about Jesus. Just focus on Jesus. But church, listen. If you lose the foundation, you can't build a house. Yeah, but Pastor Jesus said, I'm the foundation. Have you ever read John 1 lately? Let me quote it for you. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the Word of God. It's one of His names, the Word. Now, if in the beginning was the Word... Then Jesus was in the beginning. If Jesus said, I am the foundation, it's one and the same. So you cannot have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't get Jesus in the New Testament without seeing him in the Old. So what is the answer? What is the answer? And so what, what I want you to understand, church, is that what I want to talk to you about is evangelism. But the culture has changed in America. How we reached people in the 60s and 70s and 80s is not how you're going to reach them today. But you're not going to use anything different than the Word of God. So what is the answer? Well, most of the time we say people need to hear the gospel. Now watch this. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's true, amen? That's true. We need to preach the gospel. But when Billy Graham, who presented the gospel all around the world, when he passed away, he, th- this was the headline in Yahoo News. It said this, there will never be another Billy Graham because the world that made him possible is gone. The secular world recognizes, that's from a secular world, Yahoo News, said that there will never be another Billy Graham because the world that he lived in is not the world we have today. The world has changed so much. Tucker Carlson, even back in the day, said that this about Billy Graham on Fox News. He said he basically just preached the Bible. In the America of the time, that was enough. Now, I'm just quoting what, what Tucker said. People stopped him on the street to shake his hand. We live in a different country now. We do live in a different country now. Can you say amen? When Billy Graham Graham preached, I remember him often saying this phrase, the Bible says, the Bible says. He was known for saying the Bible says. Here's the problem. When you say the Bible says today, there are generations that say, well, that's a book of mythology, even the professors in Bible college. We know science has disproved it. They will go on. We learned in school you can't trust it. And so when you, you say the Bible says generations ago, people had a respect for the Bible says generations ago. But when you say the Bible says today, people say so. We don't need to listen to that stuff today. That's an outdated book. That's a book of hate speech. That's a book of intolerance. People who believe that book are a bunch of wackos and haters and laden with judgment and bigotry and discrimination. Anybody ever had this told, you to, told to you? I have. Here's a radical idea for a spiritual revolution. The idea is so... Well, first of all, let's go back. I, I think I skipped a, a slide. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, but we preach, are you still with me? Christ crucified, notice this, to the Jews, what is it? A stumbling block, but to the Greeks, it's foolishness. So it's interesting that in Acts 2, Peter takes the gospel to the Jews, and in Acts 17, Paul takes the gospel to the Greeks. The two totally different responses, and what I'm going to say to you and what I'm going to walk you through in these coming two weeks is that generations ago, our culture was like Acts 2. It was like Peter preaching to Jews who knew God. They believed in God. They believed He created. Now, they may not have believed yet that Jesus was the Son of God, but they believed in one God. They believed that there was a creator and he was one God. But what happens is today, our culture has become like the Acts 17 culture that Paul preached in and that was to the Greeks and when he preached, the same thing Peter preached, the Bible says they thought it was foolishness. Are you you following this? So, The problem is, is a lot of times we in the church are still approaching this culture as if it's Acts 2 that understands God, when it's not. It's like Acts 17. And we're going to break those down in the next couple weeks. But here's a radical idea. Look at this. For a spiritual revolution, the idea is so radical, it's going to blow you away. I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to sit there and say, how did, how did he even come up with that? It's just so radical. How about sharing the gospel the way that God does it in the Bible? Isn't that, doesn't that blow your mind? Isn't that a radical idea? By starting at the beginning, how did God give us the story? How did God give us His story at the beginning? Radical idea. I mean, start at the beginning. I mean, if you had a novel and you bought a novel, like a mystery or something, what do you do? Do you go to the last page and read it? Or you start at the beginning to figure out what's going on? You see, yeah, we're interested in end times, and end times are important. But we've got to start at the beginning. So what is the gospel? Well, most people would define it this way. The gospel is the good news of the New Testament that Jesus died on the cross and raised them from the dead. But how many of you know that you can't understand the good news until you know the bad news? Do you know where the bad news is? It's in the book of Genesis, and it's really, 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 really close to the beginning in Genesis 3. That's when the bad news all happened. That's when Eve and Adam messed up. If we don't know the bad news, we can't understand the good news. See, there are those who say, look, we just need to go out and get people saved. Just get them saved. That's the good news. But I've got other news for you that we've got to understand first. We've got to read another paper first. They don't even know they're lost. How are you going to show them they're lost? If somebody doesn't know they're lost, why would they think they need to be saved? And so... We have to, in a sense, get them lost in their mind, see themselves as lost and far from God. And you say, well, pastor, how am I going to do that? That is where we're headed in this new series. But what I really hope... Is that you'll be faithful to attend this and hear these things. But I'm saying this, it's not as hard as you think it is. Because a lot of times it's just letting them talk about where they are. Because, church, I want to assure you of this. The people that you will walk into and with today, they are going through it. Some of them are hanging on by their fingernails, and they think they've got truth. But down deep, they are not satisfied. And what I pray that we learn is we learn how to take a conversation back to God's Word. Not in a condemning way, not in a beat them over the head type of way, but in a way to show them truth. See, today, truth, the Word of God says, I believe it's in the book of Amos, that truth is Fallen in the street, to the point where people say, this is my truth. Well, I just want you to understand, truth is truth, and it's not up for personal changing. You say, well, I I don't meet a lot of people on the street anymore. I don't really get out of my apartment or my house very often. I'm glad you mentioned that, because here's where you can come in to help. Get on your knees and stay in prayer. And pray for those who can get on the street. Pray for those who do rub shoulders with the sinners every day. Because we need, church, we have got to come to the point where if there was somehow we could do this, If we could open up hell and we could see the amount of people going there every day, I think that would begin to emphasize the importance of reaching the lost. You know, every time Jesus had a parable about the lost, whichever it was, whether it was The prodigal son, the lost coin, the lost sheep. Whoever lost what they lost didn't stop until they found him. Jesus actually said he left the 99 to go after the one lost. And what I'm praying for is that the heart of God Would begin to permeate the church of God. To where what hurts him hurts us. To where a person who doesn't think or believe the way we do is not seen as the enemy. but they're seen the way God sees them, they're lost. And that we would get our broom out to find that lost one. Or we would leave whatever we know is secure with our 99 and go out and find that one lost. How many of you know one lost person? Just one. One. Man, I've, I've, I've given you this example so many times, so many years. If we just reached one this year, we'd have that double. Amen? We need to reach America. And this current generation, the millennials, they're not your enemy. I know they do things the way you wouldn't. They think different way, But church, that's what we're here for. We're here to show them the way. That's all I have to say today, but will you be here next week so we can continue this? I pray that we will have the heart of God again just pour down upon us. Pray with me this prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, use me in this day and in this hour to reach those who are lost. And help me do it, Lord, in a way that I've never known how to do it before. I pray that you would speak to me, Lord, that you would show me. And, Lord, help me be so uh, founded and have a good foundation of what I believe and why I believe it. And, Lord Jesus, show me how to draw out of others that, Lord, which they need to hear that comes forth from you to help them with where they are currently in Jesus' name, I pray. And Father, let your anointing rest upon your church. I pray that you would put your word in the mouths of pastors all over this nation, and God, let the word of God go forth unhindered. Lord, let them stand firm upon the word of God. Let them stand, Lord, without any kind of hesitation, Lord Jesus, to the ways of this world and to the culture. And Father, may we just simply preach the word of God, and Lord, see your people begin to move in the anointing and in the power and that lord you would break off the all of those all of those things that hold people back and hold people away from you in Jesus name and I come against every force of darkness in Jesus name everything that the enemy has set forth in the spirit realm to destroy this nation I confuse that in the mighty name of Jesus Father I pray you'd send forth your angels right now that you'd send forth your warring angels to do warfare against the spiritual forces in dark places Lord in high places the darkness Lord I pray Lord would be replaced by light I pray that your church would stand up and fight. I pray your church would stand up and pray. I pray your church would stand up in warfare in the spirit realm in the name of Jesus, Lord, because the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And Father, I pray that our heart and our mind and our thoughts will always be brought unto the obedience of Christ empower us, Lord, to do this in the year of 2023, we pray. Help us, Lord, to reach our nation and let there be a move of God like we've never seen in so many years, we pray in Jesus' name. You believe that and pray that with me? Let's just say amen. Amen. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Go in the power of God.